0: That's better than being dead. <laughs> okay, so new week, new stuff. I guess first, what have you guys been up to this week? Because it, it suddenly the weather changed and it's uh, a lot colder. It's snowing here today. I don't know if it's snowing in Edmonton or not.
1: Uh, yeah,
2: it was a bit, at least where I'm at. But... How,
0: how about Kevin? Have you, have you even ventured outside?
1: <laughs> no, it's way too cold outside way too cold how I'll have you been finding the adjustment
0: wall. i mean i know you've been here a while now but again last time we were talking about how uh you know in in china or at least the area that you lived in maybe zero it goes down to zero degrees in the winter and here it's uh it's been minus 20 something the last few nights so uh yeah how's the adjustment
1: <laughs> there's no adjustment <laughs> adjust it's still that's why every every winter and just thinking about going back home because it's warmer and every single day I've been thinking "Mm, did I make the right decision come to Alberta out of so many places in the world
0: I think Dan and I would both agree and say yes yes you made the right decision and no there's nothing wrong with wanting to visit well (laughs) well okay then take it away Dan
2: (laughs) no I'm not going to get into it That's for a whole different podcast.
1: Yeah. All right. So I, I don't think anyone likes the weather here.
0: Well, you know what's funny, though, is there are people, um, like we met people when we were in Belize, that um, now not saying because they don't have the experience, maybe they just don't know any better, but they really wanted to experience snow. And they're like, oh, I'd love to go see Alberta in the winter and blah, blah, blah. And people that ski, like the Australians and stuff, they love it here in the winter. But um, I don't know, I think most people, if you've been here all your life, there's certain aspects of winter you like, like, sure, I like skiing and skating and certain things. But there's also a lot of it. It's like, all right, I've had enough and I want to get some warm weather again.
2: I think it's all the glamour of it and having the temperatures. You get the snow, but also have somewhat warm temperatures
0: yeah, versus I mean, most
2: of the time what we get is the dry extremes. cold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it be too much to ask if it was just minus ten and nice fluffy snow and no wind, and then we yeah. could just, you know, hang out at the ski hill or something. But yeah, usually it's like, all right, ski hill because it's minus thirty blizzard whiteout or uh we went from a freezing rain to the roads froze and now you don't want to drive or <laughs> whatever. So but yeah. yeah no I but, believe- oh, no I'm not complaining. You I'm only worried. have to
1: be here for a month or two months that would be exciting because just to see something you've never seen before right because sure. uh, when i first arrived here it was super exciting for me to see the snow but after two seasons no done and that? you were talking about you were talking about those crazy Aussies, right yeah they do crazy things <laughs> yeah and
0: they, i mean they do have some skiing there but our, our rockies are a little bit more so they're like yeah bring it on let's go it's like okay We'll go to your place. You come to ours. How about that? We'll do a switcheroo thing. So, yeah.
2: Welcome to the green scene.
1: I want to talk about stupid Jason Kenny complaining about uh, Biden <laughs> shutting down. Okay, the we're place. jumping right into that, aren't we? Okay, getting down dirty with Kevin. <laughs> okay, it's very political, right? Okay. Everybody's
0: um, entitled to their opinion. <laughs>
2: Warning.
1: warning. <laughs> got, to, yeah, got to put are, a
2: little, uh, little uh, content warning.
1: <laughs> if you 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 a fat Kenny's fanboy, just uh, turn off the podcast right now. <laughs> you're
2: probably not even listening to this. So anyway,
1: I mean, well, if you are, thank you. Go, <laughs> I don't need to go into uh, lots of details because probably everyone knows that uh, ever since Biden started his uh, mission, he just shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah. And then ever since it has been how long, two weeks, three weeks, Kenny was just complaining on Twitter, on news, just since day one, just nonstop complaining, saying that, oh, uh, oil and gas, that's uh, the key to Alberta economy. We cannot let that die. Just the same thing again and again and again on Twitter, like for two or three straight weeks, mm-hmm. he went to, uh, who, who was it? The pre- Prime Minister Trudeau first, then Trudeau, Trudeau had a talk with um, Biden. Biden, And yeah, then Trudeau said, well, Albertans should just move on and look for something else instead of just keep complaining about those stuff. Then Kenny went on again saying that "Ah, that's not acceptable, blah, 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 blah. It's just so annoying. I I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel that, well, oil to begin with, it's not sustainable anyways. And building a pipeline doesn't just reduce the carbon emission. It's pretty much the same. And although he's um, creating job opportunities right now during the construction of the pipeline, long-term speaking, once the pipeline is completed, there's no more job anymore. And then what if the pipeline leaks? That's like a huge, a bigger environmental concern. So I don't know. What's your opinion on that?
0: Well, I know for me, um, I I I do understand both sides because it's, it's, uh, it's not simple. It is 50 shades of gray because... Alberta has relied on oil and gas for so long. Um, It's hard. It's killing us, you know, and between that and then the COVID and everything, just everything piled up. It's really rough. However, um, I do believe, yes, we do need to move on and find other forms of energy, uh, retrain people for other kinds of employment. Um, It's okay for Kenny to voice his concerns and say, Hey, we're Alberta, blah, blah, blah. But like you say, Kevin, he doesn't need to, keep going on and on and on about. It's like, okay, make your point. And then, all right, let's see now let's come up with solutions. Let's not keep complaining. Right. Um, And then the, the flip side too, is although we're finding more, uh, ulterior methods all the time, like the wind and the solar and the geothermal and all this kind of stuff and other, uh, you know, trying to increase our agriculture and other sectors uh, we also do need to realize it is going to take time. People, as much as we would love them to, because it's better for the environment and everything, they can't just quit everything cold turkey because humanity has to keep running. The economy's got to keep running. So I just wish they would come in the middle somewhere. And I'm not saying reopen the, the pipeline or or whatever. I'm just saying if they can sit down and find other solutions that, start to put us on a path so that we actually have a plan instead of just saying, well, we need to go from here to there and there's nothing in between and we need to do it right now or we don't like this or, you know, you need to do that. Just, okay, just forget everybody's differences and let's just sit down and figure out what kinds of of innovation can we utilize? What kind of skills do we need? Like, what do we need to get what everybody, well, close to what everybody wants? Because at the end of the day, if you've got a good arrangement, nobody's actually truly happy because you haven't gotten everything that you want but at least everybody getting closer to what they're wanting and having a path uh you know some somewhere to go for the future instead of just thinking about right now and being selfish about it right how about you dan <laughs> uh
2: that, i think you kind of said a lot that i kind of agree with that it's yeah i think i think the way kenny's kind of handled it has been pretty poor and it's just more i see like the trend of him and the UCP with not just this pipeline in particular, but a lot of policies uh, since they've kind of come into office have um, just the way they kind of do things seem to be very dishonest. Uh, what's the right word for it? <laughs> like being a crybaby about it uh, with mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, well, it's, it's because it seems that.
0: Tactic, right? Like you either point to somebody else, uh, well, this is what you're doing wrong, without saying, what you're going to do and the other is whining and complaining right <laughs> but yeah all in all i just uh, i hope that they start thinking of the of the greater good and like i say starting to formulate a plan for the future and not just thinking of the here and now because the instant gratification thing is going to be very short-lived and we just need to move on and try to develop other methods i think so but also realize people are going to take time mm-hmm. Well, the other the other thing, too, is is um, even if you're anti oil or whatever, you've got to admit uh, so many of our products have have oil in them. Um, and so, you again, you can't just tell everybody, all right, well, we're just going to cut this off. So that means you are no longer having your your tech. You're no longer having your Cosmetics—you're no longer having clothes like there's there's so many items that have oil-based products in them. You have to be careful about. All right, before you cut it off, make sure you've got an alternative lined up. I'm again, I'm not saying I want this to continue. I'm just saying make sure you've got that plan in place because it's it's not fair to expect people to have nothing in this interim. They've got they've got to have an alternate. So once you figured that out, all right, then then cut out the other one
2: yeah and then the thing too is yeah like because oil oil is a big part of (laughs) uh manufacturing for a good chunk of things so to completely get rid of that just wouldn't make sense but yeah i think the key is trying to transition out of it and solely relying on oil as kind of the be-all for everything and trying to look at alternatives that are more environmentally friendly and working together with oil to eventually kind of get out of it for things that are more sustainable, more renewable.
0: Yeah. And some of the, the oil companies are, are at least good that way because they're trying to do things uh, for the w- wells and the, putting the ecosystems back to the way they were and that kind of thing. And others are terrible, right? Hence why there's orphan wells to start with. Like people have just either gone bankrupt, walked away from stuff, whatever, and then they just leave it there um but yeah i'm hoping at least that's a sector where where we can be of value help revegetate and and possibly do do some of the, the soil work um to get things back to as as close to the original state as possible i don't know if it ever really goes that way um for hundreds of years or whatever but as close to it as we can it's definitely a two-sided coin so i'm just i guess my my biggest point would be it doesn't matter what side you're on, don't just start uh, ranting and raving and accusing the other of whatever and, and being really sticky on your side. Try to at least see the other side and, and realize that it's not going to be a rapid process thing because we're so tied up in this oil and gas in so many ways. But to work together towards uh, an alternate solution over time would be good it would be a good a good way to go instead of just spending all your time arguing or just saying, all right, we're going to cut everything cold turkey, but now you have no plan at all. Mm. Yeah. Good topic, Kevin. Good steamy topic.
1: <laughs> yeah. For the listeners out there, if you have any comment, go to Fescue Naturalization's Twitter and leave a comment there.
0: Yeah, you can tweet, tweet all day long with Kevin. Oh, yeah. So speaking of news... This is this is something on a on a kind of a happier note, I guess. So this is Science Daily, one of my go-tos from January 21st. So it's fairly recent. Out of the Lund University of Sweden, so they've been studying the aerodynamics of butterfly flight, which is something different, and I'll get to the reasons why because at first you're like why would you need to know such things? That seems like wasted money. But anyway, um, so yeah, they've been studying the aerodynamics of butterfly flight and they've been using, it's funny because my imagination pictures these butterflies in these wind tunnels just getting slammed to the other side of it. But I mean, they can totally regulate how how much wind's going through these tunnels. It's not always like the airplane type of testing, right? But anyway, the data that they found suggests uh, a highly effective clap technique. So that basically means when they're, you know, how their wings come on the upswing, they come up and they actually clap together. It makes a very efficient use of their unusually large wings comparative to their body size. It makes for a very rapid takeoff. So when they're trying to get away from predators, it's very efficient. Um, So the upward clap stroke propels them forward. And the downward stroke actually provides lift. So the next time you're watching butterflies flying, or if you have your time lapse video or anything like that, maybe you can get a really good look at this. So they're, at first, it seems like, you know, how they fly all haphazard and all over the place. But if you're able to slow it down enough to see what they're really doing, it's that the upward clap, they go forward and the downward Keeps, keeps them buoyant in the air, provides lift. So that's kind of cool. And here's where it comes to the, the value part. So they're looking at this for developmental insight into drone flight because they're realizing butterfly wings, uh, they flex, they're not rigid. And because they flex, they're 22% higher and 28% better than a comparable rigid wing. So now they're starting to think of uh ways they can make smaller drones with more flexible wings. You've probably seen some of these TV shows or whatever where they have these little tiny, you know, insect drones or whatever that have cameras that go peeping in on people and stuff, but yeah, this is seriously real stuff so it could make the the flight of drones and the size of drones more efficient.
2: Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think for drone design I think that would make it uh Interesting too, probably more durable because I see a lot of drone footage of people like crashing them. <laughs> and just like if you were to make something that's a little more flexible, I think you'd have a lot more drones that don't <laughs> explode after yeah, one well, failed, I, uh, I mean drop or something. Not to say like there would be indestructible, but make it something more flexible than having a spinning blade or something that breaks well, exactly. after landing the wrong way.
0: Well, like my, my son, he's got a, a fairly small drone, but it's the, you know, the helicopter type of flying method. He learned the hard way that they crash and they break and uh, he's, he's had to re-glue pieces back together. So, uh, and it's, I mean, it only, it only weighs a couple pounds and it's, you know, about the size of a, of a basketball. But just imagine if you could shrink that and make it more flexible It could, uh, yeah, it it could be a lot more resilient when it bounces off. Oh, I don't know, trees and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or in the case of him where he was looking through the video camera and thought he was still above the ground, but he actually had crash landed into the ground. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so very cool. I don't know if you guys have any other news bits or whatever.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, it was kind of based off of uh, the episode, I guess that's coming out tomorrow or today, the winter accessorizing one. Uh, but at one part you were talking about um, at Calgary, they were using um, beet juice.
0: Right, right. For, yeah. For uh, de-icing.
2: My and I just thought, yeah, I kind of wanted to look into that more to see, like, can I just do that at home and how easy it is to make my own beet juice concoction for my own uh driveway or something because i mean that'd be kind of and just looking at the science behind just you know de-icing and yeah i just kind of went down this weird rabbit hole uh but actually again a science science daily article came up talking about like, I love
0: that science daily eh?
2: <laughs> yeah because yeah there's they're short things that kind of point you in the right direction of an mm-hmm. interesting topic and then you can actually look most of the time look at the actual scientific article that they're basing it off on
0: yeah we should call them up maybe they could be a you know some sort of Sponsor affiliate or
2: something. (laughs) Uh, But, anyways, yeah, I saw an article talking about plant based road salt, like the beet juice, Uh, is good for highways. But then what they say is that, but it's not good for insects. Because what they were finding was, um, I think, mayflies, uh, certain mayfly species, um, uh, which kind of act as indicator species for uh, indicators for like water pollution. So when there's like, you know, too much, uh, too much salt from road salt uh, additions, uh, they tend to not do as well. The populations and they were noticing with uh, bee juice and they wanted to do more studies with it, But preliminary results, I think, showed that um, their, like their organs were compromised. Cause really and that's the after because obviously
0: they they're around in the summer and not the winter yeah so the beet even though the beet is a um you know biodegradable plant based thing, it doesn't break down quick enough, and there's still residue come spring, summer when the insects arrive that um, affects them hey
2: yeah, um, and yeah, what they were saying was um uh yeah, they retained more fluid within their bodies while blood salt levels highly elevated which makes sense uh, which compromises the organ function but I think the big thing was something to do with uh, just trying to find uh, potassium because apparently mayflies are pretty sensitive to potassium and beets have a high source of it
0: oh yes they do
2: um, that's why so the people are- that's what they were looking at mainly was just based off this one particular um, mineral nutrient that um, mayfly populations were declining or not functioning at the same levels as, you know, if, you know, you weren't using beet juice de-icers in a certain area or something like that. But they, but they do mention that that's just one aspect that they don't know if that's the sole reason why mayfly populations would be declining after using beet juice. It could be Multiple many reasons, reasons why, yeah, but they were is, saying it like that could be one reason why they've seen like a decline in mayfield or may, not mayfield, uh, mayfly populations. After using beet juice de solutions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I kind of thought that was interesting, just based. Yeah. Off well, of it does show that you that you've always,
0: you've always got to look at both sides. So here's a, a naturally occurring substance that you think, oh, okay, this is going to be uh, far better than the uh, the salts. Well, I mean, I realize the the salts are based on natural materials too, but just not in those higher concentrations, right? But um, that it's it's possibly having an effect on certain organisms as well. So you've always got to see. The big picture, as to how something's going to affect things, and then also to realize again, usually things come in combination, so like you're saying, there's a good chance it's not just the beet juice there's other things as well, but it's one factor right um however, that being said, I guess one thing would be right now, is it better to use beet juice or the salt because you know you want to have the pros outweigh the cons, and then down the road, maybe there'll be some other substitute thing that they can use that won't. Be a bother at all, or maybe they'll find it affects something else. It's always that's why it's always should be an ongoing thing. Like never, never stop looking for better better solutions, and never stop learning, never stop exploring, and also always try to keep the the whole picture in mind instead of just that one focal piece because usually everything's connected. Oh yeah, and well, not only that. So the the Land Stewardship Center, which the head office is out of Edmonton, which is lucky for us. They kind of watch over all the land stewardship things for all of Alberta. Anybody out there who's looking for something to do and has some background with watersheds and has some passion about it and wants to do something on a community level, they're looking for at least one volunteer, if not more, to do some work uh, with that Probably community based uh, education programs, that kind of thing. Uh, it would be a volunteer thing, but if somebody has, uh, oh, I don't know, a whole swack of time right now because of COVID, it might be something uh, very interesting for somebody to do. I'd consider it, but wow, do I have a lot on my plate right now, as I'm sure you guys would too. But yeah, it, it also does uh, bring up the whole there are definitely a ton of. Uh, Programs for volunteers, if you want to get involved with some aspect of regenerative landscaping that way and do something good for your community, there's also a lot of uh, grants available because of you know they're whole they're wanting to do this plant a million trees and they're wanting to stimulate the economy and everything. So if you have a green space that you're wanting to naturalize or you've got a an idea for setting up a community garden in your area or, you know, any of these things that relate to the plants and to the landscape and to nature, there are a ton of grants available. So you can either um, contact us to put you on the right track or you can look up things through these organizations like the Land Stewardship Center or Agricultural um, Alberta Agriculture and forestry something rather now anyway um or through the government lots of different areas you can look at because yeah they just want to get this stuff out there Mm -hmm. although it does remind me now this has really not much to do with anything but i couldn't believe you guys probably saw so when trump was in office he actually had a diet coke button in his office so he Bang the the Diet Coke I wish somebody would actually come in and bring him Diet Coke. I'm like, oh, that's a nice waste of taxpayer dollars, isn't it? Yeah, really.
1: Should we talk about the Alberta government starting to um, dig coal around the mountain area?
0: You know what? That one might be put a pin in it, and let's let's uh, resurrect that one for the maybe the next time or the time after because I, I want to do some more, no pun intended, digging into this coal thing. <laughs> You can even put one of those, um, what is it? These are merely the viewpoints expressed by... disclaimer, yeah. (laughs) We're disclaiming everything.
1: (laughs) This concludes another episode of Regenerative Landscapes. Please leave a comment, subscribe. For more information, go to fescue.ca and mmgardens.ca.